for that refuge. Greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. and Just looking forward to a wonderful time in his presence. Amen. Brother Michael Ray will be speaking tonight. and Pray that the Lord will anoint him. Amen. Can we sing this song, So when the road you walk leaves you tired and worn. <clears throat> Verse 1. There is a source in time of need that gives me hope that brings me peace in every trial through every test my Savior stands in my
Jesus. Oh, blessed be your name, O oh God. We worship you tonight, Lord. We give you praise, Father. We love you, Lord. We welcome you here tonight, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Maybe we could all stand together and we could uh, sing a little chorus, Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? While they're just playing that softly I'm just going to um, read a request here Um, and I'm going to ask Brother Richard if you'd come and take the congregation before the Lord in prayer who am I that a king would bleed and die for that's it so there's a request um, from Brother Neil and Sister Susan Bow, um, Sister, I believe this is Sister Susan saying she received a call Sunday morning from a former boss and personal friend concerning his wife, Janet, uh, with ovarian cancer. They're denominational Christians, fine people, but need a real revelation of the Lord and they need a special touch. And also, a request for Sister Susan's sister-in-law, Carol Van Oy, and her son Matthew were in a serious head-on collision in Montana. Um, Carol is in hospital um, with a long road ahead to recovery. She's had or will have four surgeries or has had, I'm not sure, but um, just in a serious condition. Um, her son Matthew is okay. So we just want to remember that before the Lord. And God is able to heal broken bones and restore our bodies. And we're thankful for that. <clears throat> thankful that the Lord of glory came to this earth in humility and walked upon this earth in human flesh and took our place. 
and we can come to him tonight in faith believing that when we ask him in prayer for our needs that he has already supplied and so we are so grateful for that and we just want to bind our hearts together for these needs for the saints that are suffering especially in phoenix we still remembering them and the hardy family we want to remember our brother and sister hardy locally here and just many needs but we're grateful to god that he has everything in his control amen oh who am i that the king would bleed and die Thank you, Brother Richard. Let's bow our heads. Father, Lord Jesus, it's so wonderful to be in the presence of God and in the presence, Lord, of of those of like precious faith. And here this evening, Father, as we've gathered together, there's been special requests that have been read out. Father, Sister Sue's friend, Lord Jesus, that they may not know you in a, a perfect way, but Father, we pray, Lord, that you would be their guide, that you, Father, would reveal yourself, Lord, in such a way, Father, that they would be able to grasp healing for their bodies, Father, and Father, salvation in a greater respect for their souls. Father God, I pray, Lord, also for Sister Vanoy. Lord, in this accident, Father, just hearing on a tape just the other day where your prophet said that you allow things to take place in our lives, Father, to see what we do about it. And Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would take this time for Sister Vanoy, Lord, that you would draw closer to her, that she would draw closer to you. And Father, you would strengthen her. Father, may her recovery be quick. Father, may it just be one of those things that astonishes the doctors, Lord. We see it all the time. Every time we ask, Father, you move on our behalf. And we ask, Father, on behalf of Sister Vanoy this evening, that you, Lord Jesus, would just be with her. Father, and just, Father, just, she would just have that perfect peace, oh God, just that revelation that you are working on her behalf. That all things, Father, are working towards the ultimate good because it's in your plan. And Father, for the rest of the service, Lord Jesus, may your word, Father, move on those that are here, those that are watching, 
those that will watch. Father, I pray, Lord, that your word would also, Father, heal the spirit. Father, enlighten the soul. And Lord Jesus, may we have faith to reach out, Lord God, and just grasp what you would have for us to know and to to be revealed to us this evening, Father, through your word. We thank you for it, Father, and we thank you for all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Thank you, Brother Richard. You can have your seats tonight. Sure happy to have saints that have gathered together here this evening. I'd like to sing uh, the old gospel ship. Start in verse 1. While Brother Richard was praying, I was just thinking, you know, the prophet of God says, when we pray in the name of Jesus, it's just like Jesus is praying. Isn't that wonderful? So, what more could we want? <laughs> Praise God. He's already, he's already provided. So I have good news to bring. Well, I have good news to bring. And that is why I sing. Wonderful. Amen. We just welcome the presence of the Lord here tonight. <laughs> Amen. How about let's sing when brother, as brother Michael comes out, let's uh, sing the song, Let the Worshippers Arise. 
We just want to prepare our hearts now to receive the word and let the Holy Spirit have his way. Maybe we could stand together and sing this. Father, I see that you are drawing a line in the sand, and I want to be standing on your side, holding your hand, so let your kingdom come, let it live in me, this is my Father, indeed, we worship you tonight, Lord. Our arms are lifted, our hearts are lifted to you, Lord. Let the worshipers, 
Lord, not only in this little room, this sanctuary, and the fellowship hall, but each building, each house, each living room, each bedroom, Lord, that this that the viewers are watching. May their hearts arise this morning, Lord, and lift their arms in complete surrender, Lord, for we know if we can completely, utterly surrender to you, Lord, you can use each vessel for the glory of your kingdom, Lord, to the glory of your name. Tonight we pray that you would take each one of us, the hearer, the speaker tonight, Lord, we surrender our all to you, Lord, that you could have your mighty way in each and every one of our hearts tonight, Lord. Take complete control. Be with us in this service, Lord. We invite you. We desire your presence, Lord. We love you, Lord. We appreciate you. May your sweetness of your atmosphere just continue to bathe, Lord, each over each one in their room tonight, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 God bless you tonight. Seeing some new faces here in the sanctuary tonight. Seeing some repeat faces in the sanctuary tonight. That's uh, that's wonderful. I'll just make, on that note, I'll make the little little heads up. If the service, if there's seats available on the day of the service at 7 a.m., it's open to anybody. So if you're seeing repeat people here, it's because they got on the website and there were seats available. So they're gaining your loss, I guess. <laughs> so now you know uh, it's it's on the website for you to see that. But I give you that extra little plug so you know now. But welcome, welcome, Fellowship Hall. I know you're way down there. God bless you, and uh, wonderful to gather tonight. Just uh, a little Wednesday night service, a little bit, as I said, maybe steak and potatoes or roast beef and just a little hearty meal tonight, maybe. And But that's the whole purpose, if we're fed. We're fed. If you'd, I pray you'd come to, to receive something from the Lord tonight, and that's that's what my desire is, the Lord would speak in a mighty way. We're going to open our Bibles. Thank you, musicians. I do want to just say, uh, as you're turning to Genesis chapter 22, Brother Aaron did text me. He just wanted to say that Sister Jessica is doing much better. And uh, he just wants to thank everyone who's prayed and texted and supported them in, in different ways, in many ways. And he just thanks the Lord for his touch. And just uh, we just continue to uplift them in this next little bit. But the Lord is doing just a wonderful work there. So we thank the Lord for that. Amen. Brother Aaron, Sister Jessica, we're, we're supporting you in, in, all, in all ways. So Genesis chapter 22 uh, we're going to turn, we're going to start reading in, uh, we'll start in verse 9. I, I, I think over the last handful of services, um, the different ministers have touched, uh, on Abraham a little, a little bit. I brother Murphy I know has a little bit and, and over the last couple services. So if there's a little repeat here, it's just the Lord is desiring that for some reason, um, in some ways, but I've just had this little thought in my mind, just thinking of, uh, just possessing, possessing the, the gates. Uh, the enemy is just where we want to just talk tonight and, and just see what the Lord has for you. Amen. So let's read Genesis chapter 22, verse 9. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto, unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he looked and beheld, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket. It was a ram, not a sheep. It was a ram, signifying Jesus Christ. 
caught in a thicket by his horns, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. And he said, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies." And I, in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Amen. You may have your seats. I've just been pondering that, the, just that line, thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies, and we know that our brand spoke many messages on, uh, on that over the, over the different years. And, and so if you've read the message, that's wonderful. If you haven't, you better go read it and read as, as a number of them there, there because it's a, a, it's a message that will just stir up, stir you up a little bit and just get you grounded uh, on, on what your possession is and what the Lord has for you and your, your inheritance and what right you have. And so I just want to speak on that. My title, Entitled to Possess. And uh, entitled, I, you would think we go to, you know, this age of entitlement. That's maybe where your mind goes right away. And you know, we're entitled. There's a lot of entitlement these days. Uh, especially as the generations walk up. But I don't want to go that direction. Um, entitled also means it's to give someone a legal right or a just claim to receive or do something. And so we're not going to maybe go down the entitlement where I, you know, this is do me and, and I should be gaining something, uh, maybe for, uh, for doing nothing. But here we're going to go entitled, which is to, the legal right or a just claim to receive or do something. And so uh, couple that with possess the gates. The, the word possess there is actually the word yarush in Hebrew. And it's to seize or to take possession of or to inherit and uh, or to take possession. And so entitled is the legal right or the claim to possess something is, or to inherit something is what I just want to speak on tonight. And when we when we... Talk about inheritances, you know, our minds will go, in, you know, maybe to uh, to different ones that have inherited or there's different different families that have inherited certain certain things. And there's actually vast fortunes that that come out of inherent inheritances. And and uh, so I just looked at a couple of them, you know, when someone's looking to inherit something, an inheritance, there's a handful that came up, you know, the the. Uh, person, the, the daughter that is the chairman and CEO of Louis Vuitton, she actually inherited a, a net worth of about $4 billion. That was an inheritance she received. Um, the Duke of Westminster, he's actually, his name is Hughes Grosvenor, and he's, he's thought to be the Britain's youngest billionaire. And he became the seventh Duke of Westminster because uh, his father died. And he inherited, suddenly in 2016, a vast inheritance of uh, of about twelve billion dollars, so these are inheritance uh, that he uh, that he received. <laughs> Small, right? <laughs> Small amount. So, <clears throat> another one there. I just had a couple. BMW, actually, the uh, the person that owns actually over a quarter of the shares of BMW shares that he got from his parents uh, and his sister owns 20%. They actually inherited about $20 billion of net worth from uh, shares in BMW. And of course, we know the Waltons who own Walmart. These are inherited money that they have. So, they, so inheritances are, uh, they, they can, they have 
can be, hold quite some punch and, and have a vast value. And we can look at that and, you know, it doesn't really apply, but you can say, wow, you know, that'd be nice to inherit something like that. I mean, you didn't have to do much for it. And, uh, and poof, there's $12 billion. Do what you will. Rough. <laughs> right? Yeah, don't, uh, you, you can chuckle. You're pretty quiet, but I can sure if every one of you has dropped $12 billion on your lap in short order, you would be probably doing more than what you're doing right now. Yeah, probably. <clears throat> say that solve a lot of my problems but <laughs> but uh when it doesn't apply to you um, you know you just just off off it goes you know it's nice but it's kind of a far off it doesn't really apply much to you so you don't have any claim on it so it's actually meaningless right who cares what Hugh Grove and your god right joshua you got 12 billion what's it to you it's just meaningless to you because you have zero claim on that inheritance zippo you, you couldn't try and say, hey, I should get a piece of that. Nope, because you don't even have a claim on it. It's it's just a wish, maybe it's a yearning that you would love to have, but you have no right to access Hugh Grosvenor's inheritance. Just what it is. I hate to bring it to you. <laughs> Unless you, maybe you thought you did, but you don't. So, but if I did tell you that there is some distant heir that, uh, that, you didn't know of, and we just received a letter, and suddenly you're in line to be uh, an heir to a certain estate or a large estate. Suddenly, you would be very interested in in this process. You'd be interested to know, really, you know, who is this, and where am I in position in line? Maybe there's other people that are in line of uh, of the estate, and where's my legal standing on that? Maybe you're going to do a lot of searching and legal assistance to prove your relationship, because there's this chance that I am a, an heir to this estate, right? And so now you're suddenly very interested. You might even do some DNA testing of some sort that, you know, it can prove I, I'm the one, or I'm very close to the, to the, to the top of this this estate that I that I could uh, potentially have uh, an inheritance from or a stake in. And so you you do all you can. I would imagine if there was something large at stake like that, you know, where am I in line here? Am I a direct uh, line to be heir to this estate of some sort? And so you would probably do a little more work if you got something like that, right, Joshua? <laughs> but. I'm going to just flip the coin a little bit and hold that thought and flip the coin. And what if you had an incredible estate and you had an incredible inheritance and it was stripped from you? And you went from everything to nothing. Just as much as if I dropped 12 billion on you and our human carnal mind would be you know, hard to imagine. The flip of that is what if everything you had was stripped from you of an inheritance and forfeited. And I'm going to point you to where Adam was stripped of his inheritance and forfeited it to Satan. He gave up being an heir to the world. He gave up eternal life. He gave up when he never had to be sick, never had to get old, never had any worries. There was never funerals or graves. There was no evil. There was no death. There was no gray hair, no white hair, no stooped shoulders, no mourning, no crying. He had jurisdiction over the whole earth. He was a god on the earth. If it didn't like something here, he'd move it over there. If it didn't, the wind was blowing too hard, he said, wind stop, peace be still. He could do that. That was what he had, was his, his inheritance. That's what he had. And he was stripped of that and forfeited his inheritance. But Abraham says, Adam lost his inheritance. The earth, it passed from his hand to one he sold out to. To Satan, he sold his faith in God to Satan's reasonings. Think of it. He sold his faith in God 
to Satan's reasonings and was stripped of all of that, which all of that doesn't even, you couldn't even put a value on that to a puny amount of money or something on this earth. And he was stripped of all of that and forfeited it every bit to the hands of Satan. He passed it from his hand to Satan. Therefore, now it has been and returned and has been polluted, but Abraham said, and the seed of Abraham has destroyed the inheritance that Adam should have had. Incredible. Can you imagine forfeiting all of that? He had it all. And it was stripped from him. That's the same thing. Someone that actually rejects Christ. You reject Christ. You can say, wow, Adam had all that. But the same person that rejects Christ and the opportunity to give your heart to the Lord, you're rejecting and you're forfeiting all of this just as Adam was stripped of it. Think of that. And the title deed of all that went back to, Brother Brown says, to the original owner. He says, oh my, the forfeited title deed is now in the hands of the original order, owner, almighty God. He says, the title deed to earth, eternal life, he forfeited into Satan's. He says, then Satan's hand couldn't take it. Okay, so this is just a couple paragraphs later. He said he sold it to Satan's reasonings and he, and belonged to him, and he forfeited it to the hands of Satan. And Satan, he says, his dirty hands can't even take it. Why? Because he had no right to it. Satan has no right to all of that, so he could not take it. He has no claim, no legal claim on all of this. He's not a ruler of the earth. He's not. He doesn't have eternal life. He doesn't have no sickness and mourning. He doesn't have that inheritance. He had no claim to that to take it when when Adam lost it, and so it went straight back to Almighty God because that's the original person who had that claim to that amen so it went back to the original owner god himself we're going to find out in just a minute that he sits there on the throne with this in his hand the title deed oh my but abraham said that makes me religious <laughs> amen okay so here we have adam is stripped of this satan can't take it He's not the owner. He does not have no right. He's not in line to that. And therefore now that inheritance has gone back to the original owner. And who is able now to lay claim to this? Who's the heir to this? Who can possess it? Who's entitled to possess this inheritance? It's sitting here at the original hand. Who's now able to take this? Who's in line? As Peter says, this incorruptible inheritance. He says, blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto the heavenly hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Scripture. Amen. Yes. Amen. So that is indeed. So who? I say, well, put your name there. Who's the you? Is it John Walder? Is it Sister Roxanne? Amen. Sister Anna, we say, it's reserved in heaven for me. Amen. Are you on the screen? I know Sister Laura, you're in the fellowship hall, but the Matt Riddell, but Tom Frey, different ones. It's reserved in heaven for you, is what scripture says. You say, wow, how did I suddenly just get in line? How did this, how is this? How am I an heir? Well, that's what we're just going to talk about tonight. How, how am I an heir to this? It's just going to be some simple, simple word tonight. Amen. But in simplicity is his word. It came right before the seals. So in simplicity. So if it's simple tonight, it's the word of the Lord. 
Man, Brother Brown says, I think, I just want to inject this. He goes, how can you do anything unless you've got faith in what you're doing? You've got to have faith, and that's my purpose of doing this with the church here, is to give the believers faith and confidence in what they're standing for, because it is the word of the Lord. Okay? So as long as the scripture, it's sovereignly placed in Genesis to Revelation, back and forth, up and down, not a way for the devil to move in. He goes, then you got perfect confidence, see, you know where you're standing. And so that's tonight is just what I want to do is just so you can have perfect confidence in where you're standing as an heir to this inheritance. Amen. So that's what we're just going to talk about. So now let the let the sands of time clear a little bit. The, the, the windows clear and let the visual pictures fade. And we're just going to step way back in time. And we're just going to go back to Genesis 12. And this is where Abraham started. And here... Out of Genesis 12, we have who we would know, Abraham. We know he's out of the city of Ur. He starts to walk, and we know he's been called by God. Genesis 12 starts. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And Abram, Abram in the, there in the scripture, then starts to walk. And we see him and his little family some of his lot and some other members of his family, and he heads out into the desert. 75 years old, has no clue where he's going. Somewhere, the Lord has told him, get thee out, and here, and here he goes. And here we're looking at the very beginning of this seed of Abraham, of Abraham, and where, and how we're heir. And so I want to just go back here a little bit. Because we sing, I know all you little children sing, Father Abraham had many sons. Right? We sing the song. A couple little kids in here. At least I was a kid at one time. I don't know about you guys. And I said, Father Abraham has many sons. Many sons of Father Abraham. And I am one of them. And so are you. How? Okay, so you're one of them. Why? How are you one of Father Abraham's son? What does that mean? To be Father Abraham's son, and how does that apply to you? And so I just want to talk about that a little bit tonight. So if we're of his lineage, if we're of Father Abraham, if we're we're in that line of the seed of Abraham, so we're going to also have his traits. Okay, we're going to be like Abraham. All right. And so we're just going to talk a little bit about Abraham here for the first little bit. I had no clue what time I started. My apologies. And so here now, Abraham was given a promise. In the very beginning, God said, I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Thank you. So here, just as a side note, Noah had just died 18 years prior, and Abraham walks out of the city. Just for those that like those kind of notes. Noah had actually been there all this time. And now Noah fades off the scene. And now Abraham walks out of his, out of his country. And he's now going to seek a city whose builder and maker is God. And, G, and God said to him, And I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. So here Abraham goes. And now he sojourns. You know, Abraham did not... He didn't have a Bible. He didn't have... Uh, you know, a church to go to. He didn't have a message. He didn't have, uh, you know, a large, uh, maybe family per se. He had his, his immediate family there. He didn't have the ministry and a pastor to keep him in check and online and support me as I have questions. It was Abraham and Abraham alone. Right. Right. 
Abraham had to look and take what God said to him. Abraham, get thee out. I'm going to make thee a great nation and bless you. And that's all he got. And out he walked. That's it. This is Abraham. This is the beginning. This is where it started. This is where, if we're of his lineage, we're going to have his traits. So here's where Father Abraham, what he had to do as he started out. Then a handful of years later, chapter 15, roughly maybe by some of the dates here, maybe eight years or so down the road. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him saying, now again, he's saying, Lord, I don't have an heir. You know, is it going to be Eliezer? You know, you said I'm going to have, you know, a great nation and it's just my family. And God said, this is not going to be your heir. This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth of their own bowels shall be thine own heir. So now it's very specific. You will have a son. You're going to have seed, and your seed will will be a great nation. All right? And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look in the, toward the heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord, and, it, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now, Abraham's faith was that anchored. God could tell him just these two little times, you're going to be a great nation and you're going to have an heir through thy own bowels. And he said, I believe it. And God counted that to him as righteousness. This is our father, Abraham, who you say you're a son or a daughter of. Here's what he, this is, this is what he was doing in his, in his, where he was in his world. Third time, 99 years old now, chapter 17. 99, Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And I'll make my covenant between me and thee and multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou sh- shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful and I will make the nations of thee and kings shall come out of thee and I'll establish my covenant with thee and I seed after thee generations for everlasting covenant. He's been 25 years or so now, 75 to 99 and he's heard this multiple times and he still has believed it. Like I said, he didn't have every couple of months or weeks to call up and say, I'm having a struggle. You know, I don't know if I believe this. No, no, he was him. It was him and his walk alone with God. God told him these a few times and he staggered not at the promise. This is Father Abraham. Amen. Now all along, he said, instead of getting weaker, Abraham got stronger, the Bible said. Let's just check our own walks. Let's just check our own walks. Instead of getting weaker, I've been down the road 20 years. I've been in, in the message. I was saved for 15 years, for 25 years, for 30 years. Or maybe five, well, I don't care, put whatever the number is. Have you gotten weaker and more lackadaisical and softer? And now we're staying home and we're streaming and, and, and it's just not quite the same? Or as Abraham, who we are heirs of, are we getting stronger in our walk with God? Check it. Check your walk because this is the lineage we're of. If you say you are, then this should apply. We should be getting stronger in our walk. Things should be growing dimmer and fainter. The world should be growing that much more behind us and on the outskirts, on the peripheral. Who really cares? Because I'm getting stronger and I'm believing more and my faith is being built up. Come what may, it don't matter. I'm staggering not in my day. Not just Abraham's day, in my day. Amen? Amen. He says, no matter how long it lingers, it's going to happen. 
Like people say, it's but a random, oh, the Bible said it ain't no difference from the time of our fathers fell asleep. Oh, I've heard that coming of the Lord since I was a little kid. My mother said she heard her mother talk about it. There's just no such thing. Careful. Uh, we've heard rapture for since I was a kid. I've heard my mother talk about it. It just means nothing. If you're of Abraham's seed, you will stagger not at the promise. And you will believe that. And your faith will grow in that day by day. And you will become stronger, not weaker. Amen? That's the seed we're of. Amen? But Abraham says, if you're a real, true seed of Abraham, instead of getting weaker, as you see the days go by, you get stronger over time. Amen? We said that. Now, well, I've heard that stuff. And go on. It's not Abraham's seed. Abraham's seed doesn't take back. All right? And he said, Abraham's seed, they stay put. Brother, they're in Christ, and they're there they stand. There's nothing can shake them. Why? Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Amen. So God, God done made a covenant with Abraham and his seed after him. So we're just going back and just checking where we came from. Where, where, where this lineage was. Where did it begin? Alright? And Abraham persevered and he was the father of the faith. If he had to stagger not, if he had to look at the promise and go stronger every day, far be it from any of us. You think we're going to get off scot-free? <laughs> no. No, no, no. We're going to have our own stagger. We are going to have to stagger not at our own promise for this day. Amen. We're going to stagger not if we are Abraham's seed. And all God's children are tested and most assuredly in this last day required to stand fast in the promise before our catching away. Amen. And that's going to show if you're of that lineage, if you're an heir to this inheritance or not. Because you have to be proven an heir. It's like, no, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm Grosvenor's grandson. Says who? How? how? So you just can't just say, oh, I'm an heir to the promise. Are you? And so your traits and your walk is going to prove who you are inside. Then if we are God's children by heir, then heirs of the kingdom. And we should walk, then as our father Abraham walked and called those things which are not as though they were. If God said they were, see, this is but our Branham saying. And here we are now, Genesis 2, or sorry, Genesis 22, where we opened our scripture. And it came to pass at the beginning, verse 1, these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now note that in 17, the covenant of circumcision was given to Abraham. And God then gave him a sign that he accepted his faith. Abraham was believing and believing and believing. And then God said, now I have a covenant and of circumcision because I now accept your faith in my promise. And it sealed that for him. Amen. And we know that the circumcision is the same covenant as the Holy Spirit in your life. God recognizing that you believe his word, you've stood, you've stood, you've stood, and he seals you with the Holy Spirit, and that's final until the day of redemption is what Ephesians said. Amen. So that happened in chapter 17. That's vital. That's vital. If you don't have the seal of the Holy Ghost, 
God hasn't recognized your faith. It proves that he says, yes, I accept your faith in me, Joshua. And then I'm going to put my spirit in you. And now you are an accepted heir to the inheritance. Amen. So now God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I'll tell thee of. Whom thou lovest. This is the promised seed. He's waited 25 years for this promise. It's now come to fruition and his faith is now manifested and God's saying, take him and offer him as an offering. You can read this. Let's just come down to where Abraham was living for, for a moment here. And he's now testing Abraham. Let's keep reading. Take now thy son. Adversary. Abraham rose up early in the morning. From what I read there, it was not even a hesitation. Not even a moment Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Abraham said unto his young men, Abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son and took the fire in his hand and knife, and they both went both of them together. Remember, he says, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Abraham's faith was in every aspect of his life. Did not bat in nothing. He's, he was already believing he's coming back with the lad. I don't know what God's going to do, but I'm coming back with the lad. It was everywhere in his life. Amen. So he took, Abraham said, my God, Isaac said, Abraham, his father. And he said, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold, the fire. And the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And so they both went of them together. Again, Abraham's faith right in step with his life. He, there was not even a hesitation. He said, God will provide an offering. Amen. And they both came to the place which God told them. And we started and ended our reading there. And so God is testing Abraham. If he actually is really believing what he said he's believing. I, where would we have been if God is actually asking this? So this is take thy son, thy only son, and offer him as a sacrifice. Like the dad's here. Just take your son. Take your son. And you're going to go up to a mountain. And now you're going to lay him on the altar. And you're going to offer him as a sacrifice. Abraham was committed to do whatever God had asked him to do. Are you that anchored in your walk with God in this day? If God is asking you. His, Abraham's son Isaac was, was of the most value, precious to him. And God asks every one of us to lay down everything, the most precious of things. It had to be a lamb without blemish, 
the most perfect lamb, the choice lamb as a sacrifice. And God was requiring Abraham of all the things in Abraham's possession. Abraham was a quite wealthy man, I'd imagine. But he's saying, take your son, thine only son, and you're giving it to me. And that is what God is requiring us in our walk, if we're Abraham's seed, to give our most precious things. Are we? Are you holding back? Are we holding back anything that God is asking us to give to him and to prove and he's testing you? Are you actually faithful? Are you actually Abraham's seed? Can you do that? And he's asking, and Abraham's there. Abraham's doing that. We're seeing what Abraham's doing, but I want you to get into Abraham's shoes. He had to walk that mountain knowing he was actually going to have to take a knife and plunge that into his son. This is where Abraham was living. He was putting wood on his back, knowing that that was going to consume his son. The fire was in his hand. The wood was on Isaac's back. This was, he was walking in this. What are you doing? What are we, what are you giving up? Are you giving everything? Is God requiring something? You're holding it back? Are you like Abraham? He's saying, whatever. Lord, I believe. I will come back with the lad. He was fully believing that God was going to restore his son back to him. But he wanted Abraham to give it to him wholeheartedly, without any hesitation. And God will do the rest, whatever it might be. God's asking you wholeheartedly, give it all to me. Don't hold nothing back. I don't care whether it's job, work, school, social life. I don't care what it is. You got to give it all. Get it on the altar. Let God then deal with the rest. But Abraham said, every son that cometh to God must be tried and proven and tested. He lets sickness strike you. He lets diseases come on you to test you and prove you to show the world that you're truly the seed of Abraham. He permits it by his own will. He permits disasters. He permits the friends to turn against you. He permits all things. He turns the devil loose to tempt you. And he'll do all but take your life. He could throw you on a bed of affliction. He could turn your neighbors against you. He could turn the church against you. He can do most anything. And it's God's will for him to do it. We're taught that it's more precious than gold to us. This is your prophet speaking. What about Abraham with Isaac on the mountain? The one... The promise was given, and by his loyalty and show and know and his knowing and his faith in Jehovah, it's through that and that alone that God looked down and said, His seed shall possess the gates. Because God knew he was giving everything to him. And when Abraham didn't hold back not one thing, then at the end he said, Stay thy hand, Abraham. Why? Now I know, he says. Because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, then in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying. And in this promise, after he had given everything, even his most precious thing to him, he gave it up and he said, it's your Lord. And his hand was raised, ready to slay his own son. I don't think we can even grasp that. Lord, help us. But because he came to that point... Then, in all the promises, I will bless you. I will multiply you. You will be a great nation. He sees sands of the, of the, of the sea. Stars of the heaven will be your seed. All of these things. But then, after Isaac was given and he was ready to plunge him, God said, stay thy hand. And the next promise, in addition, was, and thy seed shall all the nations be blessed. Uh, sorry. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. That was there on this time, 
Not on the other ones prior, but Abraham had given it his all. He laid it all down. Lord, it's all yours. And then the possessing promise came right then. Amen. And when we're willing to do that, then God's going to say, and my seed, your Abraham's lineage, possess the gates. Amen. Abraham, fully persuaded. We know, you can look back in the different ones of, of the Old Testament. Brother Branham touches on them. We know Daniel, purpose in his heart, not to be defiled, and had to face the lions. Again, these are situations that we read in our storybooks. But Daniel had to actually be willing to say, I'm laying it all down. I'm not going to compromise on my belief. I'm not going to compromise on what I believe in and on my God and turn my back and reject it. I'm willing to face the lions and be torn to pieces. I'm willing to do that. He was willing to lay all that down. And God stepped in for him and he possessed the gate. Amen. When you come to that point where you're willing to lay that all down, then God can come behind that and the gates will be possessed. Galatians says, even as Abraham believed God. So if we can be here, if we can identify with Abraham and our faith is anchored in Jesus Christ and we said nothing, nothing will sway me. I'm staggering not. And the Holy Spirit is coming and he's confirmed your life and the Holy Spirit is in your, in your life and you're walking in that. Galatians says, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Here's your tie. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justly justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. Skip into verse 9. So then they which are be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Verse 16, he saith not, and to seeds as many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. 29, and if ye be Christ's, if ye be Christ's, now if Christ is living in you, and you've put your hands on Calvary's sacrifice, if you be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is how you are Father Abraham's son. And I am one of them because you're heir to the promise because you're in Christ and Abraham's seed. It wasn't the natural seed, Isaac. It was the royal seed. His faith seed, Jesus Christ, is who you're heir with because you're in him. You've died in him. Therefore, you are Abraham's heir to the promise. Amen? There's your tie. Abraham, the promise was made into his seed after him. Not only Abraham... Now I want to focus on what promise. And your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. But the spiritual seed of Abraham's faith was Christ. Not through Isaac, all the world was blessed, but through Christ, the royal seed. All the world was blessed for he died for all people and nations. Amen. So now a man that possesses that faith still take God's word regardless of circumstances. Now if you can't do that, then you're not Abraham's seed. Just that simple. That's the faith that Abraham had, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of who he went through. It doesn't matter if you got it. Abraham, I'm going to bless you. 
Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Year one, year two, year three. Ella, you're healed. You're healed. Year one, year two, you're healed. You're healed. Year four, I don't care what it is. Abraham's seed will stagger not, honey. Stagger not at that promise. That's the day we live in. That's where we're at. Not Abraham way back there, but he's bringing it right to this day. Because we'll stagger not at the circumstance. Don't look at the circumstance. Look at the promise. That's Abraham's seed. Amen. That's for you. And with that faith, heir to a great inheritance. Amen. So now when you say from the ramparts of glory, we said at the beginning, we said, is there an heir? Who's the heir? And we can put your name there. This is why your name can be called because it's through Christ that you are an heir to this promise. Amen. Now God gave a covenant here. I just want to touch on this. I just thought this was just beautiful. I find it so beautiful how scripture and how the, the types, you know, what God had happened through the different ones of old and then it just reflecting something down the road. It just, it's, that's what makes the scripture just so incredible, per, incredibly perfect. Genesis 15, the Lord said, and he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? This is Abraham speaking. Lord, he didn't disbelieve. He just said, how shall I know that I'll inherit it? And he said unto him, take me a heifer of three years old and a she-goat, this is God speaking, of three years old and a ram of three years old and a turtle dove. And he took them, all of these, and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against the other, but the birds divided he not. So Abraham now is making a, 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 a sacrifice and he's done this effort and he's split them up. And here... The fowls came down, Abraham drove them away, and the sun was going down, and he fell on a deep sleep. Uh, deep sleep fell on Abraham, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And just skipping a little to verse 17, it came to pass that when the sun went down, it was dark, and behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed. Now, Brother Abraham says, he talked about this was God. Now, if you look at the Eastern book, you have to look at what this was. This was a covenant being made with Abraham the way they did then. You look at that and like, I don't know what that is meaning. But you've got to look at this. And Brother Message has this for you to go in there. Because the old days, they have an altar. And a covenant and a promise was being made. Something binding between two people. And they'd, they'd put uh, the dead pieces on the, on the altar. And they'd write an agreement. And they'd write whatever the agreement was on each piece. And then they would put the, put the um, sacrifice there. And then they'd tear that apart. They tear that agreement apart, and they'd have two pieces like this, and then they would signify that sacrifice on the altar would signify if we break this, we'd be as these dead animals. We'd be torn and dead like these animals if this covenant is broken. And then if they wanted to confirm that covenant that it was still true, they'd bring those two pieces of paper together and they'd perfectly dovetail together. If there was a renege on that agreement and someone tried to forge something and change it, it wouldn't go. You could never rip something the exact same. It, it, it just wouldn't go. And so this is the way they made a covenant. And God was making a covenant with Abraham. Abraham said, Lord, how do I know I'm going to inherit this? And so God said, prepare, prepare an altar, prepare a sacrifice. And God did this to show what he was going to do. And Brother Branham says, now watch what God did to the royal seed. Okay, so this was what he did to Abraham to prove. Brother Branham saying that the, he went into a, a deep sleep. He said that was 
that was uh, death and the horror and the darkness, he said, was hell. And it was signifying what each man would need to, where each of us would go to death and hell. And the light that came down the middle was signifying Jesus Christ coming and taking the sack, taking the, our, our sin and, and, and our shame and taking the penalty. And so this was a, a symbol and a type. Pointing down the road, he said, whoa, Brother Michael, that's a whole lot to take on. But this is scripture. Maybe a little deep. You're going to have to dig here a little bit. But this is the scripture. And it said, but Abraham says, now watch what God did to the royal seed. How, Lord, how am I going to, how do I know I'm going to inherit in this? He says, you ask the Lord, how am I going to inherit this? This great inheritance that I, I promised from Abraham's seed. He took Christ, which was the seed of Abraham on Calvary, and he tore him apart. He took the spirit off of him, put his body in the grave, his soul in hell and raised him up on the third day, raised his body, brought him into glory back, and sent his spirit back down and kept the body on his right hand side. Sent the spirit back down to live in the church and make the church just so much with the life of Christ it, that in the resurrection, the two will come together, bride and bridegroom. said, how do, how do I know? Because I sent my spirit down there and I've tore him apart and we're going to dovetail so perfectly together. If you have Jesus Christ in the whole, my Holy Spirit in your heart, you're going to come right together when I come to claim you and we'll dovetail together. That's how you know that my promise is yea and amen. Isn't that beautiful? God tearing himself apart so that he could give his bride part of him, his own life, and then would unite us at the fullness of time. That's your assurance. He was torn on the cross. That's your assurance as a binding promise that the life in you, Jesus Christ, will dovetail with him at the end. If you don't have him in you, there's no dovetail. And because of that, because you're in him, because Christ is in you, that's why you are entitled. You have legal claim. You have a claim to possess all Adam lost. All there at the beginning we talked about that Adam lost. All that he had, eternal life, never being sick, never growing old, no worries, no funerals, no graves, no evil, no death, no gray hairs. All of that, all that he lost... You're entitled to inherit that. You're entitled to possess it with Jesus Christ in you. And that dovetail pushed, will meld together. All he lost is yours because of that. Amen. Because of the virgin born royal seed of Abraham came and prevailed and conquered the gates. Amen. So that we might possess them. And I want to talk about that. Through Christ, we have a claim to this inheritance. He claimed the title deed, as we've talked about. Now he was an intercessor, the kinsman redeemer. And we being dead in him, we are Abraham's seed and heir, now according to this promise. We're entitled now to possess the gates. Okay, those gates, I want to... Brother Abraham says, he conquered them. He conquered the gates for you. Okay? Now look at the difference here. You don't have to conquer them. You don't have to conquer death. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. He conquered sickness. He conquered cancer. He conquered worry. He conquered fever. He conquered COVID. He conquered whatever it is that's afflicting you or hindering you. He conquered it. He took it. He went to battle. You said the battle is the Lord's. That's because he went to Calvary and rose from the dead and stripped Satan of everything so that now you can possess it. You aren't having to conquer it. You just need to walk in it and possess it now. Okay? 
He conquered that gate. He, you don't have to conquer it. Amen. Now, now that's, that's the promise. Now, if we look back, we can see Joshua, he had to go and possess the land. God gave him the promise. There's your inheritance. Go get it. Now he had to actually go, and we say footsteps mean possession. So now here he goes, and he has to go to the cities. They didn't lose anybody until someone got off the word. Until someone made an error, someone disbelieved, Achan took something, then somebody died. But if they were in the promise, that they were following God's word exactly, they were conquering, no one was even dying, because they were following God's word and they possessed it every time. They didn't know how, but they were going to possess it because that was the promise. And that's what he's asking you to do. I conquered it for you. Just go now and claim it. Walk in it and possess it because it's yours. Now, that possess has a double meaning. Double meaning. And you shall possess the gates of the enemy. On the flip side, that same word, actually means you inherit and you disinherit the other side. You possess, you bring to ruin the other side. All right? You destroy on this side. So there's an inheriting, there's a possessing, and on this side there's a destroying and a disinheriting. Okay, let's, let's follow this here. Because if we're going to possess it, something's getting depossessed. Something, somebody's getting stripped. Somebody's getting destroyed. We can see where this is going, okay? If you're possessing something that Satan has, he's being destroyed. The same word, by you possessing, he's the one being dispossessed. He's being disinherited, amen? Disinherit him. He's got no claim. He's standing there, well, it's mine. It isn't yours. You have no legal right. It's not even his. He's sitting there like it's his. It's not his because he's been conquered and it's you that needs to go forward and take it and claim it because he's got nothing there. He's got no, no foundation to stay there. Kick him out. That's what Joshua had to do. They just had to go and do it. God says, go do this and this. Okay. And they walked around the walls now. They walked around the walls. It took, it takes some gumption. It actually takes a little bit of work. Takes some faith with muscles. It takes some getting into the word. It takes some believing. It takes, it takes something. You gotta do something. You gotta be willing to get in there and possess it. It's already conquered for you, but now go and possess it like, like Jer- Joshua did. And you know, Satan, he is so good at planting these strongholds in your lives, in our lives. And if we let him, he can build quite the stronghold, quite a fortification. Scripture says, and you shall possess the gates. Well, these gates just aren't sitting there, just with nothing around them. The gates were actually one of the weaker points of a castle until they figured it out that it was a weak point, and so they started building up castle gates so that they became actually the strongest point of a castle. They had different towers and guard towers and all these different things so that they could actually, that it became the place you didn't want to deal with. Okay? And God's saying, go possess the gates. Because he already took it. You gotta get up there and just walk in it. Amen? So Satan, he's, he's saying, hey, I got, I got my strongholds here, and he's wanting you to think that he's actually got a claim to this. Okay? And you just let him sit there, and he's, now he's squatting. He's squatting on your land. That's what he's doing. He's squatting. 
He's a poacher. But Aaron says, when we lost it at the Garden of Eden through Adam, we went back to the original owner. But there's been a poacher on the land, a squatter, that Satan. He come over and he's poaching. The earth don't belong to him. It belongs to God and he's poaching as a squatter. So if he's something in your life, he's sitting there and you have a hard time. He's actually a squatter. He's got no right to your life. He's got no right where he's sitting. He's got no right to a habit you're battling with. He's squatting on your land. Who wants to leave a squatter sitting there? Yeah, well, I know it's mine, but just sit there and have a good time. That's insanity. Insanity. Nobody that, has, that says, this is my land. Get off it. That's what Satan's doing to you right now. If you're dealing with him and you're struggling with something, he is a squatter on your land, all right? And so now he's building. You let him sit there. I bet you that squatter's going to build a pretty big stronghold in your life as he just sits there and he just accumulates things. He just accumulates this, just grows bigger and bigger. And you careful how much you dwell on your issues and well, your little pity party or whatever, whatever you're dealing with, your habits, and he just dwells there and he dwells there and he dwells there. And suddenly you got this massive stronghold. Like, Whoa, how do I deal with that? God dealt with it. He conquered it. You gotta possess it, but you actually just, you just have some faith in you. you. Say, Satan, no more! This is my land! And stand, it's scary. No, it's, it might, it, only because you've let it grow and now you gotta deal with this big thing. Now the battleground is in our mind. Greatest battleground in our mind. And in the life of the mind, the stuff, if we don't, if we're not careful, we store a lot of things in our memories and, and, the, and our mind becomes a pretty big stronghold that it's pretty hard to crack as that gets bigger and more fortified. And Satan sits there in a certain area. And a stronghold, it's a, you know, a way of thinking can be developed. Maybe a stronghold, maybe a rut of depression or a recurring unbelief or habitual bad temper. Maybe it's a repeating pattern of failure. These are strongholds that can build up. Maybe a stronghold of resentment or maybe worthlessness. Maybe someone's been abused or verbally or physically and a strong that you become, they feel worthless and it builds up. And Satan uses these things to start building these stock, these strongholds in, in their, in their lives. And they say, I'm guilty and nobody would love me. Or maybe a stronghold is somebody thinking, well, nobody really knows me. Nobody really cares. Nobody wants me for me. And Satan, you just start stewing and you're allowing the stronghold to build. God's provided a way for this to be conquered. He conquered it. Stronghold keeps a person from thinking clearly, accepting the truth, maybe repenting of something or receiving deliverance. A stronghold can keep an unbeliever from hearing good news and a stronghold can keep a believer from hearing the fullness of the good news. All these, and and a lot of these things could be a whole pack of lies. But they become a stronghold keeping out the truth of God's love and it builds up in someone's life. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to tell you, if you're an heir of the promise, if you're a seed of Abraham, that stronghold can go the moment you want to say, wait a second, I'm an heir. I'm an heir of the promise. And that is not in my life. I am not tolerating the squatter no more. I'm done with it. If you come to that point, then you can deal with that. Because that is your promise as a seed of Abraham. Such a person can hear a message about God's love and from the pulpit, or they can hear something, and you know, and it kind of just goes in one ear and out the other ear, and it's just bouncing off this stronghold as they've they've let this build up in their life. But I tell you, Christ has come that we may have liberty. Amen. That's what we are. If possess the gates tonight, identify. Wait, I got a stronghold in my life. 
identify, I, I got something. And the scripture says, and thy seed shall possess the gates of the enemies. Amen. Possess it tonight. Stand and say, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm identifying a stronghold. Satan, you're a squatter. And it's finished tonight by the word of God, because that's the power and faith in that to annihilate that in your life. Brother Brown says, the devil hates me. And I know he hates you too. And he's my enemy. But as long as God's my friend, I don't have no fear of him. I drive him right back, take the word of God and move him right back out of his place that he thinks he's holding. He thinks he's holding. He's got no strongholds. He's absolutely legally defeated in every place. Take that. The devil hasn't got one legal right at all. Nowhere. He's just a devil. That's all. He's got no legal right to any man that'll accept the promise of Jesus Christ. He's whipped. Yes, sir. He's whipped in sickness. He's whipped in disappointments. He's whipped in everything. He's whipped in death. He can't scare me. He can't scare you. That's all he is, is a big old shadow. Possess the gate. For though we walk in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 10, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. There's the word for you. Surround your stronghold with obedience to God's word, faith in his word, and praises to God. If you want to deal with your stronghold, you have a stronghold of depression, surround it with things of hope. Read your scripture and surround yourself. Build it up with, oh, my hope is in the Lord. Amen. You have a stronghold of rejection, surround it with the acceptance of Christ. I'm accepted in the beloved. He came and died for me. You're not rejected. You're accepted in his blood. You're saved by grace. No rejection to the world, to you. That's what you surround yourself with. Surround yourself with maybe you have anger or hurt. Surround yourself with forgiveness. Read the scriptures. You're angry at something. You're hurt with something. You're wounded with something. Well, then go on the word and deal with, read about forgiveness. You'll watch, watch that wash away. You watch that hurt just start to diminish in that wound because you're reading and, and uh, fortifying yourself with things of the word and forgiveness. Amen. These are, these are just simple things. Stronghold of fear. Your fear about something. Fear of this age. Whatever it is. Surrounded with knowledge of God's love. Perfect love casteth out all fear. Struggling with a stronghold of failure. Surrounded with victory of the resurrection. Stronghold of sickness. Surrounded with healing. Read, listen to the prayer lines. Read something. Build your faith up. Listen to testimonies. If this is what your issues are, surround yourself and that stronghold will fall down at your feet. Amen? Because it's just a bluff. It's a shadow. And he has no legal right. Spurgeon had a just a uh, just a really good little paragraph, and so I might just even I'll just read it for you because this is right right in line with the, just the thought on these strongholds that Satan is just can build up, and I want you to possess the gate. He said, "Our Lord came into this world to destroy all the works of the devil. Behold, behold, before you the works of the devil, pictured as a grim, horrible castle." Massive and terrible and overgrown with moss of ages and colossal, stupendous and cemented. This massive, you know, 
fortress with the, cemented with the blood of men and ramparted by mischief and craft and surrounded by deep trenches and, and moats and garrisoned with feeds, a structure dread enough to cause despair to everyone who goeth around. He's speaking about the works of the devil. Round about a structure uh, to everyone who goes round about and to count its towers and mark its bulwarks. But he said in the fullness of time, our champion came to this world to destroy the works of the devil. And during his life, he sounded the alarm at the great castle and dislodged here and there a stone for the sick were healed. The dead were raised and the poor had the gospel preached to them. So the stones of this building and this castle and the structure start to fall. But on the resurrection morning, he says, the huge fortress trembled from top to bottom. Huge rifts were in the walls and tottering were its all its strongholds. A stronger than the master of that citadel had evidently entered it and was beginning to overturn, overturn, overturn from pinnacle to basement. Amen. One huge stone upon which the building much depended, a cornerstone which knit the whole fabric together of this, of this fortress of Satan was lifted bodily from its bed and hurled to the ground. Jesus tore the huge granite stone of death from its position and so gave a sure token that every other one would follow. Glory! Amen. Jesus took the stone of death and hurled it down and every stone of that building is sure to crumble. Amen. He says, when that stone was rolled away from Jesus' sepulcher, it was a prophecy that every stone of Satan's building should come down and not one should rest upon another of all that the powers of darkness had ever piled up from the days of their first apostasy, even to the end. Amen. Amen. Possess the gates. It's a crumbled building. He's got nothing to stand on. He's got no foundation to stand on. He's a shadow. He's a bluff. You name it. Possess it. Amen. Lo, he is the mighty conqueror since he rent the veil in two. Amen. Musicians, you can come. I'll just touch on this little last piece here. Hopefully I don't get into too big, too much swimming waters here. But I just was reading now. If there's a message that is just powerful... And it's right coming in the seals. It's the breach. The breach is a, a just a wonderful message to me. And I just was reading through the breach, and, it, and I was just saying, you know what? There's one, there's one more possessing left for Christ. There's, what, there's another. There's, there's a one more possessing left. And we read in Revelations five. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who was worthy to open the book and loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under heaven, under earth was able to open the book, neither to look upon. And I'm not closing, so I'm not going to go in labor and deep here. But here was the book of redemption and no one was able to look at it. No one was even to open it. You couldn't even stare at it. There was nothing. You couldn't. And John's scripture says, and I wept much because no man was found worthy to open the, and to read the book, neither to look upon it. What a sad state, state right there. You couldn't even look at the book of redemption. It was closed. It was shut up. There was nothing. All was lost. And John is sitting there weeping because it's, it's, it's unclaimable. It's unclaimable. 
but we know the we know where this goes. And we know, just when you think of a, our Boaz, Brother Branham talks about our kinsman redeemer had to go to work as an intercessor. And he had to came down and inter, interceded for man. And he took on human flesh so he could come and take this, the, the penalty of sin that happened. Why Adam lost the inheritance in the garden and everything that was stripped from him. And so he said, I'm going to step down. I'm going to take the curse. I'm going to bear all that on myself. And so he came down as Boaz, as a kinsman redeemer, and said, I'm taking it myself. And here's an intercessor. Amen. He did that work. And so now we read in the, we see in the scripture, John weeping much. And one of the elders said, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and loose the seals thereof. Brother Branham says, God's law required a kinsman redeemer. And the lamb come out holding it. I am their kinsman. He says, I am their redeemer. I've made intercession for them. And now I've come to claim their rights for them. Amen. That's There's the only one. I've come to claim their rights in that they have a right to everything that lost in the fall. I've paid the price. Amen. He's claiming it. He steps from eternity. Now here's where, here's, listen, you go from the breach. He was an intercessor. He was being the kinsman redeemer. Boaz was going to, to the, uh, to with the people, holding his shoe, doing what he had to do as a redeemer to redeem it. But there's one thing he had to do. It's when he turns from being intercessor and he's going to turn and he's now going to be a possessor of his bride. He goes back for Ruth and possesses him. He comes back for you. He's got a pos- one more possession to make. He's done the claiming. He's done the interceding. And he's going to step off that. And he said, I'm coming for my bride. Amen. That's the possession I'm waiting for. Oh God, may I be in seated as a seed of Abraham by faith, not staggering so that I'm walking in the faith so that when you come to off your throne and you come and you finish the mediatorial work and you're going to come and possess me because you've claimed me. I am his own. That's the final possessing. He's the only one that has claimed to you, Sister Roxanne. No one else. Satan has no claim. No other man. No other person. Nothing. Christ Jesus has the only claim. And he's going to come and possess you. And claim you. And dovetail with you. Because you have his spirit inside of you. Amen. Christ our Redeemer. The only one entitled to possess his bride. Amen. What a jubilee in heaven. That's why it could read John saying, And behold, I heard the voice of many angels, and around about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power. Next verse, and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I sing. This was John because he was seeing, hey, there's one that has claimed to me. He's going to possess me. I'm his own. And he could said everything above and below blessings and honor and glory and power be unto them that sinneth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. That's us. Let's stand. We should be able to sing, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Amen. Amen. Worthy is the Lamb. 
at the end of the service before Brother Brandon was speaking on possessing your gates. He said, this is the hour of deliverance. And he speaks very strong. And he's saying, he said, if you're a sinner, you should be at this altar right now. He says, I command you with the angel of the Lord that's sent by sinners, you come to this altar. He was strong. And he was saying it straight. It was because that moment for them to possess the gates of their enemy at that time was right there. And he recognized it. He said, a ram was provided. A promise has been given. A promise of possession. Why? Why? Missed an opportunity. When Christ is here, he said, the anointing was here. I would say the same thing to this evening. I don't care where you are. I don't really care where you are in your little room. Really listen to this on a little phone. Somewhere at work, somewhere. I don't really got a little earbud in your ear. You say, Lord, I'm a sieve, Abraham. And I'm going to stagger not. If I have stumbled, there's a stronghold in my life, identify it. Identify that stronghold and deal with it. Say, Lord, you conquered it for me. You conquered at Calvary. And so now I'm going to walk in this and possess it. You should not, with the word of God, with the message that we have, with what you've been raised in, you should not be dealing with and battling certain things You can when you can be free of them. He's a squatter. And so accept the moment. Say, Lord, I'm just coming. I'm coming at this moment. I see I'm in need. I can possess. These are my gates to possess. I am a seed of Abraham and that's my promise. That's your promise tonight. Amen. Amen. Let's sing worthy. Worthy
we're just going to have a word of prayer as we close you bow our heads close your eyes maybe just at your little spot whether it's here or wherever it may be Lord he said Lord I just want to I want to stagger not Lord I want to be like Abraham Lord I grew stronger Lord if my walk is faltering if my walk's growing weaker you just lift up your hand before him and say oh God if there's a stronghold in my life if there's something that's hindering you if I'm holding something back may I be like Abraham who could lay his most precious most beautiful thing he had his Isaac he could lay it on the altar Lord may each one we have to come to that point you come to that point tonight because at that point the promise of possession was given oh Jesus Lord tonight your word Lord it's been burning in my heart Lord Lord I listened last even last week to just a services that weren't even here and after Wednesday service and I heard request after request after request there was need after need after need that was read across pulpits Lord not just here but abroad and Lord it is said in my heart oh God Lord surely we're at a point where Lord we can possess these gates of the devil that are taking a hold of our people Lord and Satan so I stand here tonight and the authority of God's word With the power that he gave us, he gave us authority to stand against you. That the gates of your city, the gates of your stronghold will fall at the word of God. We, as a people, rebuke you. You have no place on our land. You squatter and we stand firm in our faith as our father Abraham did. And we are seed of Abraham the royal lineage through Jesus Christ and on his word and on his promises that are yea and amen we rebuke you in Jesus name the sicknesses that plague our people Lord the cancer that plagues brother Ron we stand against that tonight Lord sister Rena Lord and the diabetes and brother Milko and his complications Satan you have no hold on us and so we stand in faith tonight believing and we will stagger not For the promise is sure. I don't care if it takes months or years. We are faith. will hold on God's word tonight, Lord. Lord, may that anchor deep in the heart of your people tonight. May, Lord, a firm resolve. I am resolved no longer to linger. But, Lord, we're going to move forward in the word of God. Not staying down here on this Laodicean wickedness of this age. But, Lord, set that behind us. Set our eyes forward. And as your Paul said, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. May that be in our heart tonight, Lord. Bless your people, O God. Comfort them where they need comfort, Lord. May they think on these things, Lord. May they go, may your word burn within their heart, I pray tonight. We dismiss the people, Lord. Lord, we long for that moment as John was seen, Lord, And he could lift his voice up that everything in earth and above and below and in the sea could hear him sing and rejoice and sing worthy and blessings and honor and glory. For Lord, the time will come when you will come to possess your bride, Lord. And we will say as John did, Lord, worthy, worthy the Lamb. Bless your name, Lord. Go with your people tonight. We love you. We appreciate you. In Jesus Christ's name.
Amen. You're dismissed tonight. Thank you for coming to service. Linger as you wish. The Lord is speaking to your heart. Let's listen to Him. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed tonight.